You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello, And today's guest, I'm very, very excited about. She is a badass. And we also have the same name, which is equally awesome. Her name is Gabby Dimicky. She's a commercial photographer based in Austin, Texas. And Gabby started her photography career in New York City and successfully built up her business before moving to Austin, Texas this past year with her partner. Gabby has an extreme passion for empowering women, which is seen through most of her work. Actually, all of her work, I should say. Go check it out on Instagram. It's amazing. And this also includes her most recent series called Badass Women, which we're going to talk about towards the end of the episode. So Gabby, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, I'm so excited. Gabby's Unite. We're, we're going to have a great episode. She's squared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny when I find people who have a similar name to me. I know we talked about this. It's so uncommon to find the exact spelling of our name that it's like... <gasps> You're like, oh, this yeah. is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Jazz things up a bit. Um, but anyway, so... Can you just give the listeners kind of a rundown of what your story is? How did you get into photography? How did you make it in New York City, right? The hit the pavement. It's such a hard dog eat dog world. How'd you have this all come to be and how'd you make it? Yes, for sure. So it's kind of a crazy story, kind of how it all came about. My mom ended up giving me a camera when I was like 12 years old and I became obsessed with photography. I grew up in the Midwest on a farm and my parents didn't really have a ton of exposure to art, art careers, photography, any of that kind of stuff, but they could tell I was really creative and they could tell like it was something I was really passionate about. So they were always like super excited and helping me, you know, get a new camera or try out different things. And so I have to give them credit because they were always super supportive. And then I went to college and studied photography. And then after college and grad school, which I did grad school in London for fashion photography, my dream since I was like 16 years old was to move to New York city. So I was like, I'm going to move to New York. And then and figure out my my business. So I moved there with some roommates from college and we were just like broke kids living in New York. So yeah, it was it was great. Like we we're like going to happy hours so we can get like free drinks. That was our kind of mentality at the time. We got to go through it. New York City is so tough, and especially in the beginning when you're making like no money, that it's just it's so common. You're just like, I'm gonna eat the peanuts at the bar type of mentality of like we can get anything we can get our hands on. Totally. And I think that actually ended up kind of like working in favor of my business just because like having that kind of like hustle grind mindset of like, all right, I'm going to make this work. You know, I'm going to pick up these freelance jobs and then stretch my dollar extra far. So it definitely helped me kind of have that financial mindset of like, okay, I need to just be really, really focused on not spending a lot or really tailoring my spending until, you know, my business is kind of off the ground. Um, but I ended up, I did have a couple different jobs before I went full-time as a photographer. So um, the company Caviar, which is kind of like an Uber Eats situation, I photographed all of their food at their different restaurants for about a year. And then I also worked at Milk Studios as like an assistant. I would like clean the camera equipment. So like all these like big name photographers and like Victoria's Secret models were like coming into the studios and I would like clean the lights and the lenses, you know, for them to use. So I was like, oh, that'll be me one day, hopefully. And then, yeah, eventually I was able to, after about a year, kind of drop those and just focus full-time on my photography business. That's so awesome. And I have to say from me being a New Yorker as well, like it is not easy and it's great because the opportunity there, right? That's the amazing thing about New York City is the opportunity is plentiful, but it doesn't make it any easier. Like it's still just as challenging, is extremely fucking expensive. Like 
how did you overcome that, the fear of that? Like, you know, you had your jobs before, but like, what was the final pivoting moment where you were like, okay, I'm going to do this myself and like, we're going to go with it. Yeah, for sure. So I think the thing that kind of made me confident enough to go off and just do my freelance work was just being really knowledgeable of the numbers. So I was looking at my spreadsheet every day. Okay, here's what my expenses are right now. Here's the photography jobs I have booked for like the next six months. And then when I started to get like those recurring clients, then I was like, okay, cool. You know, if I can depend on this client to come and do a shoot with them like every two months, and then this client, I do a product shoot for them once a year. And I kind of built that up to a point where I knew that the amount I was making was at least going to cover the cost of, you know, my rent and all those things. And so then I was like, okay, cool. I'm not going to like go into debt doing this. Like it's, I'm at a break even point. So now it's just up to me to hustle further and make more money so that I can actually like start saving for like my 401k and like all that kind of stuff. Was it really hard to find clients when you were freelancing? And if so, like, was that just through Instagram, like word of mouth? How did you even do that? I think this is so important. You pretty much have to just put yourself out there 24 seven. And like you said, like New York is a great place for that because like there's so much opportunity. You never know who you're going to run into. And so I would hand out my business cards on the subway. Like if I thought, if I saw someone who like looked really cool, like there are always people that had like crazy, like green hair or something. And I'm like, Hey, you're really cool. If you ever want to model for me, like, here's my card. But I would go to photography networking things. I would go to just general happy hours and different networking groups, meetups. And then yes, I would DM people on Instagram. So if there were like influencers or models, I would message them and say, Hey, I'm a photographer. I'm new in town. Like I'll trade you a 20 minute photo shoot in exchange for you posting one of my photos on Instagram and tagging me that I was your photographer. And that was actually super successful because once a couple different influencers and a few different groups started doing that, then people were like, Oh, she photographed this for you. Oh, she's your photographer for this. And then like their friends started booking me. And then honestly, it kind of like exploded from there. That's so awesome that you were able to leverage like you actually kind of answered my next question was going to be like, well, how did you even come to a place where you can even get out there? Because right in the beginning, you're like, okay, I'm going to sell you this service. And they're like, well, you don't really have anything to go for, but you're like, oh, but let me trade you, right? There is something that doesn't, it doesn't cost money. It just maybe it's time or like a quick post or whatever. So so basically you leveraged a lot of like trades, if you will, with people of power in, in a sense, right? For sure. And like, I definitely want to mention that, you know, especially if you're in a creative field, I don't necessarily recommend like giving away a lot of stuff for free or giving away your product for free. But in that specific instance, I felt like me donating my time would be worth it to get those shoots later. And it's kind of a funny story. We'll talk about the badass woman shoot, you know, I'm sure a little bit later, but through that process, which was just me reaching out to women who I was inspired by and doing a free photo shoot for them, just as a personal project, because I thought they were really cool and like wanted to kind of start this photo series, a majority of them ended up hiring me for photo shoots like six months or a year down the road. So I think the idea of like finding your target audience or like finding your tribe of people, like this is my community I want to be involved in. This is what I'm really passionate about. Being involved in that, that is the key because yes, you'll get clients from that, but it's like being present and going into it. Not like I didn't go into any of the badass woman shoots thinking like, Oh, I'm going to get future clients. I was just open and willing to talk to them and trade them that photography service. And then because of building those relationships, the photo shoots came later. So I think you really can't underemphasize the importance of networking and building genuine connections with people that, you know, later turn into jobs. Yeah. That's something I'm finding too, with the podcast and everything is that 
if you focus on value and genuinity in your conversations and everything, it's like a 10x investment versus like the skeevy, like copy paste pitches and like all that garbage. Like we're not stupid consumers. We don't want that anymore. <laughs> we're like so done with the BS, like, like Instagram DMs, like, oh, I can get you more followers. It's yeah, like, oh no, okay, immediately no. delete. <laughs> I can't. But I think the word that you used that was totally key was like providing value, like that experience of whatever business or product or service you have, taking that to your future client or your target audience or your community and being like, here, I'm going to provide you with this value. And then we're going to build our relationship past that. So I think, I think you're totally right. Younger generations and just like how businesses are moving, people care about what the business is invested in. They care what the values of that business are. So the faster that you can put yourself out there and show that, even just even on like a TikTok or social media, showing yourself in that way is going to help you gain, you know, followers and potential buyers of your business. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's funny because you were one of the people who have started inspiring me to do more TikToks because I see you all the time and like everyone else you know, there's the nerve wracking moment of like, oh my God, I'm putting myself out there. Like people are going to see me or the imposter syndrome. I'm like, oh my God, what if I said the wrong thing? And I look like a fucking idiot or I look stupid or like I offended someone. And that like goes away. Like you realize that if those people are not meant to be with you, like they will fade away. And the people who are meant to be with you will like come in, which is amazing. And with that being said, have you found like that kind of works with your business too? Oh, 100%. I was just like you in the sense of that I was like, oh no, what if people don't like this? Or even when I would put my prices up on my website, that was like a decision I made a couple of years ago. Cause I initially, it was like, okay, inquire about prices. And it was kind of like this secretive thing. And then I was like, why am I doing that? I'm spending five hours a week responding to emails and sending my prices out. I could save myself all that time if I just put my prices on my website. And then the people that are my key audience or my target audience that we vibe, they're going to be for it. And then the people that are like, oh, that's too expensive or that's not what I want. They're not going to be for it. And you have to go through that process of realizing like my business is not for everybody. I don't do all kinds of photography for every single client. I do a specific kind of photography focused on empowering folks. And if that's the kind of photography that you're looking for, along with my style and the colors and, you know, aesthetic of it, then we're going to be a great fit, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be a great fit for everyone. So you definitely have to realize like you have a specific group you're kind of working toward and you can't let it hurt your feelings. If, you know, I get, I still get DMs all the time or emails. People are like, you're charging $200 for this. Like, da, 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 da. how could you? And then I, I'm just like, well, I have a, a little article I put on my blog about the, all the costs involved in photography and how much the gear and equipment costs and maintenance and all this stuff. So I usually just refer them to that article and I'm like, well, here, I'll educate you, but we're, we're not meant for each other. Like have a good day. <laughs> That's so awesome that you were able to, well, A, you found a simple solution, right? Save your five hours every week and just do that. But also I think again, going back to like, people don't want to be conned anymore. We just want to get like straight to the point. We want the genuinity again, all of it. And the fact that you're just putting your prices there. And again, if people don't agree with that, they don't need to be part of the movement, if you will. And I mean, that's not to say that like putting yourself out there or even like making a silly TikTok or putting your prices on your website or launching a new product, that's all super scary. And putting yourself out there is so intimidating. Like, I think you can only get better at it as if you do it in small ways all the time. So like maybe your goal is like, okay, I'm going to post one TikTok once a week. And then if you did that for a year, I bet by the last TikTok that you made, you it would be totally not even nervous to post it. You'd be like, oh yeah, I've done this so many times now. So I think that repetition can help you with feeling that like nervousness about putting yourself out there. 
Yeah. Is that kind of what happened with you with your photography? Like what was the the journey where you like started photography and then you found your niche and then like built upon that, gained the confidence and now like you're fully self-employed by your business. How, How did you get over that fear of being the badass like photographer that you are? Yeah. So I think I'm still kind of on that journey of like really narrowing in on like my specific even styles of photography and who I'm focusing on shooting. But I definitely went through iterations in New York where when I first went freelance, I would go on Craigslist and I would take absolutely any photography job on there. Like I would message it. <laughs> They'd be like, Craigslist is a shit. I got so many jobs from there. hundred percent. They're like, we're throwing a birthday party for my dog. Like we need a photographer for a hundred dollars. I'm like, great. I'm there. I shoot dogs now. Like it was just like, I would take anything. And then now through the Badass Women Project, I was like, okay, wow. Like empowering women is my jam. Like I love photographing women, capturing their awesome and vibrant personalities, capturing their businesses and like doing photo and video and movement, you know, social media creation for that. So definitely that's where I kind of uncovered my passion for that is just doing the Badass Women series, which we can also get more in in depth in a minute. And then kind of moving to Austin was like another new iteration where I was like, well, it started when I was in New York, I started shooting concerts and music festivals. And then now that I moved to Austin, I'm like, oh crap, this is like something I also love that I never knew until, you know, the past few years. So I'm definitely still going through that evolving process. But I think for me, the more I do photo shoots and take on new projects, I always allow time for myself one to two shoots a month. I just do a fun shoot for me. And that helps me explore and kind of always be just like letting my creativity out and seeing what the next thing is. So no matter what your thing is that you're really passionate about or you're working on, like I think taking that time to explore will always help you kind of come to that new iteration of what your business is going to be. I found that too, that even silly things like posting on social media, like what works and what doesn't, what people respond to well and what they don't, titles for things, like write the littlest things that they call like A-B testing where you try to have two different iterations. But even from a creative perspective, right? Just trying it all. like. It's actually pretty hilarious that you were able to do like such a variety of things. But again, that's what what made you such a great photographer is you having so much skill under your belt. Yeah, totally. Like doing fashion photography in London ended up lending itself really well to wedding photography, which I would have never like combined the two. Turns out brides love like looking like very like editorial, like it's out of this magazine, having that fashion element. Whereas a lot of photographers are more documentary style with weddings. Me having that fashion experience, I was like, oh no, like let's throw the dress up. Let's have you stand here. Let's make it look like a magazine. And so it actually helped create my own style, like in that area of wedding photography. So yeah, kind of crazy how experience you get in one totally unrelated area can end up just coming around and really helping you later on. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. One other thing really quick on the kind of like iterations of your business. I think the the other thing that's key to do is really listen to your audience, right? So like getting that feedback, you know, after doing photo shoots, I like to ask people, what was your favorite part? Like, what would you change? And so getting your feedback from your customer can be really important to know what ways to move your business forward. You just straightforward ask them or you'd like send out a survey or something. It's a follow-up email with a Google form. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And it's like optional, you know, they don't have to take it, but people that do a, if they say, I love the photo shoot that gives me like a little serotonin boost for the day. I'm like, okay, I'm a cool photographer. And then when they give ideas, I'm like, Oh, wow. I hadn't thought about doing a print store or X, Y, Z. So always good to get that feedback. Yeah. It's so cool. But I don't feel, I feel like a lot of people don't ask hey, is there something that I can do that's better? Like even I'm part of a women's mastermind and me and a couple of women in there were very surprised. Why don't they ask us what we want? Because like some of the things that they're doing, we actually don't really like. And yet there's no platform for us to do that. So the fact that you're like actively doing it makes it so that you can be, again, a better photographer. Like 
curtail things specifically to your audience or fulfill their needs in whatever way, you know, makes sense. Yeah. I think you're totally right. And then it kind of just goes back to that piece of like, you're putting yourself out there again, you're being vulnerable again. And so, right. Like most people don't want to do that. They don't want to say like, what did I do kind of wrong in this situation? Or like, what, what should I improve on? But at the end of the day, if you're receptive to that feedback, that's really what's going to help you improve just as a human being, like having the willingness to be open and, and learn and grow from failures or just things that could be improved upon. Like, I think that's just like the core to being like a cool human that is always evolving. Yeah. It is really cool when you see someone that was doing X thing and then all of a sudden they completely pivot and they've like up leveled and you're like, holy crap, like tell me what you did because I want to do it too. Talking about up leveling and moving, what made you move want to move to Austin? And like, was it challenging for you to move to Austin and relocate your business? Because I'm thinking you have all these clients in New York City and now you're picking up and going to like a completely different state. New York City is like cold and there's all the four seasons and Texans is hot. Like, what were some of the challenges about moving? Or and then what were some of the pros? So you're totally right. Um, moving to a totally new state and kind of uprooting my business was definitely challenging in a variety of ways. I would say the biggest one just being that I was just in a place like before coronavirus where I had my recurring clients, like I had, you know, a solid client base in New York, felt really good about the the income levels I was making on a month-to-month basis. So I was like, okay, this is great. And then COVID happens and literally all of my jobs for like the next eight months get canceled. So I'm like, this is not good. <laughs> and then, yeah, my partner and I, we were doing long distance and we had been talking for about a year and a half about, okay, we have to move to the same city. Like we got to figure this out. And so one of our big goals is we actually are into the fire movement, like financial independence, retire early. And so we want to basically partially retire by 40. Not that we're actually going to retire or that I'm going to stop doing photography, but I want to have the financial independence that I have, say, $40,000 a year basically covered in investment income that I'm making so that if I only want to work part-time or if I just want to take on some passion projects, I would only have to work a few months out of the year to you know cover the rest of my expenses. So because of that, we were just looking at our numbers, looking at our cost of living, and we were like, we have to live somewhere that's a little bit more inexpensive. So he was living in San Diego. I was living in New York. We settled on Austin because it's still city vibes. There's still a huge you know photography group here for me to kind of have a client base from. And then also I'm into concerts and music festivals. So there's a lot of live music here. Uh, He really wanted the weather to be warm. So we picked Austin. About three or four months before we moved, I started reaching out to pretty much any photographer I found. I went on Google and typed in photographers in Austin and then found a list of like 200 photographers and then emailed them. And I was just like, hey, I'm a new photographer. I don't really know much about the industry in Austin. I've never really spent a lot of time there, but I would love to like grab coffee or just hop on a Zoom call. And so I just like had a bunch of calls with a bunch of photographers and started building up a photography group, which ended up kind of being great because whenever they had a photo shoot that they were busy that day, they were already booked that day. They were like, oh, I know this girl, Gabby. She just moved into town. Like, I bet she could help you out. So they gave me a lot of referrals. So that was a great way to just like make myself kind of known in the industry here. So smart. I didn't even think to like, that's so awesome. Such a great idea. Yeah. People often don't think like, why would I reach out to my competitors? Cause like technically, yeah, I'm like these photographers were all competing quote unquote for like the same jobs. But at the same time, it's like everyone has such a different style and focuses on different things that it's really not like that. And so for me, I've always found way more success 
actually like being in community with other photographers than trying to like compete against them. And so, yeah, that, that was huge. And kind of they, if any of them needed like an assistant or a second shooter or anything like they, I kind of just put my name out there. So that was good. And just getting some jobs initially in like the first three to four months. And then I joined some wedding photography groups. I joined some like photography networking groups, some meetup things also started the badass women series in Austin, which was again, another great way to kind of build out all of these like female business owners and like female entrepreneurs. And then, yeah, pretty much every week I would send out like a hundred emails and have calls with people until slowly, you know, building out a couple jobs here and there. And then now we're like eight months later and I already have a couple recurring clients and, you know, tons of weddings booked. So that's kind of how I did it. That's so awesome that you were able to pick up and move and you did it in such a strategic way. I'm glad you touched on the fact that community is more important than competition because at the, the end of the day, like, yeah, we all have different niches and really it's better to help each other than to fight against each other. But like, was there a period in your life where it was competition? Like, was there some digging or like work you had to do to kind of put your mindset in a place of community focus versus competition? Yeah, that's a great question. I think you're you're right in the sense that I had to go through that growing kind of period. I think we all do as we just get oh, yeah. older and more mature. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you're like, okay, I've been there too. <laughs> oh yeah. You know what? It, I saw it a lot in corporate where I was like, oh, if I don't get the job, like someone else does. So there was a lot of like, I didn't necessarily put throw people in front of the bus, but I was always trying to like up level so much. So whether it was like getting a new course and studying whatever it was like, again, like or showing like things. I'm better at this. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And like, right. That's part of the game, but also at the end of the day, you don't have to be an asshole. Like you really don't. And again, if you work better and they genuinely like you, like and you like them too, like it just, it's just so much more pleasant. Like life is just about joy now. I don't give a shit about the the stupid mundane things like that. You're totally right. And one of the fun things about like me talking to all these photographers when I moved here is like, while we would be having a conversation and be talking about what kind of lenses we use and stuff. And then it would be like, Oh, but what do you use for your email list? Oh, and you use this for, to edit your pictures and you use this preset. And then all of a sudden I'm like learning all this stuff that's like, maybe I had a makeshift way that I had done my email list. And then I talked to this photographer and they're like, Oh no, you got to try this free software. And then all of a sudden it just like alleviated a huge pain point in my business just because we were open to have a conversation and learn about what the other person does. So I think you can learn so much by actually being willing to put yourself out there and talk to those other people in your industry. Um, And then to kind of answer your question about like that growing process, I think in college, I don't know why I thought I was a really great photographer. And I think the funny thing about getting older and just being in the same industry for like years and years and years is like, now that I'm like 26, I've been doing photography for like 10 years feel like I'm less cool of a photographer than I used to think that I was. Like in college, I was like, I'm so good. Like all my photography is amazing. And then I look back at it now and I'm like, Ooh, no, this was not good, honey. Like what? <laughs> um, so yeah, there were, I think there were people in my class where I was like, Oh, well, their work's not very good. Like I could do that. Da, 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 da. Whereas now, anytime I see a shoot, I'm like, Oh wow. I know how much effort that probably went into it. You probably had to rent the studio. You had to get a hair makeup artist. You got the outfits shipped in. Then you probably had like a 12 hour day on set and it was this whole thing. So I definitely now can understand really all the work that goes into other photo shoots. And so because of that, I think I'm like a little less like competitive. 
I mean, there's a humbling point too when you realize, especially when you're young and you think you're hot shit out of college, like, oh wait, people don't want to pay me for my work. <laughs> like, you know, but building your own business is humbling because when everyone like sends you rejections all the time, like that really helps you build up a little like, okay, I'm not as cool as I thought I was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um couldn't agree more. It is eye-opening, but it's in it's in a good way, not in a bad way. And then at the end, when you're, when you have a badass business, you're like, oh, hell yeah. I just like built that from the ground up. Like I'm awesome. (laughs) So speaking of building up the business, can you give some advice to the listeners on like how you figure out your worth or your pricing, you know, from being in a creative industry? Because anyone could say like, if you're selling a tangible product, there's the markup, but if wholesale, you just kind of go that way, you know, materials times, whatever overhead times, I don't remember the formula, but I know that you have a formula based on like the things you use, but generally speaking, how did that grow and change and mold into you being where you are now? So right when I moved to New York, I was super nervous to charge anything over like a hundred dollars. Like people would say, Oh, like what would it be for like a headshot shoot? And I would be like, Oh, I guess 150. And I'd be like super nervous to tell them a number. And then at some point I, for the Badass Women series, I was interviewing a life coach And she told me about how she kind of like found her worth, which was she was talking to someone, talking about how she didn't want to charge a lot. And she felt really bad charging like a couple hundred dollars or something. And they were like, okay, take out a piece of paper, make a full list right now. I want you to write down how much college costs you. I want you to write down any other courses you took, all the costs of like for me, for like photography gear, write down every camera lens you bought, every camera body you bought, all the lighting gear just make a full list and then put all of your time, like add your time in that you've been in studying photography or like literally everything. And at the end, you know, she added all that up and it was like millions of dollars of like time and effort and cost of college and all these other things. And they were like, look, that's how much you have invested in this business. You have your time invested, you have your expertise invested, and you have like a financial dollar amount invested. And so that was kind of like a mind shift for her to be like, oh, wow, okay. I'm not just a random person day one being like, oh, here, I want to charge $10,000. I actually have all this credential to back it up. I have all my time, all my studying, and then all these actual monetary things I've had to buy to invest in the business. And so I think her telling me that story, it definitely clicked for me. I was like, oh, okay. Yes, I am just out of college, but that doesn't mean I don't have all these years of experience and my time invested in the shoot. And so Because of that, that kind of made me be like, all right, I'm going to charge what I want. If that doesn't work for some people, that's totally fine. You know, again, back to, you know, I'm not for everyone. So that's kind of when I was like, all right, I'm putting my prices up on my website. And I think everyone should, you should increase your prices every year anyway, just because of A, inflation and just B, the market is usually increasing. But if you're trying to figure out what specifically to charge, I would start by just looking in your city, in your industry and kind of go from there. So like when I moved to Austin, I was like, well, I know I can charge XYZ as a wedding photographer in New York City. Is that comparable to Austin? Like I had no idea. So then after talking to all these photographers, looking at their packages, looking at, you know, the similar offerings. So like maybe one photographer in Austin charges like $15,000, but they have three photographers and they bring in all their lighting gear and they have a videographer versus like a photographer that charges like $3,000 and it's like maybe just them and the fewer hours or whatever. So I'm kind of looking at all that and going, okay, I'm in the middle between those, but now I know if I do want to have more photographers, I can lean more toward the second one. So looking at your market, I think can really help you get some information on what to charge. And then at the end of the day, just charge whatever you want to charge, I think. (laughs) 
That's funny. But I, I really like that you brought that up and broke it down. I'm probably after this call, I'm going to do that exact same thing for my business. <laughs> but yeah, it's always really scary, especially in the beginning when you ask for money because right, it's really new and there's the imposter syndrome. Like, oh, am I even providing value? Like all that drama and BS that's in your head. And you really just have to kind of work through that mindset piece of like, hey, even if I might not have 30 years of experience like this other person does, I'm still bringing a lot to the table. I'm bringing my life experience along with all the things I've learned and cultivated for this business so far. So, I mean, it's a daily thing. Even I have days where I'm like, oh no, like I feel like my business is not going well or I don't feel like I should be charging X, Y, Z. And then I feel like I'll go in a wave of like, I'll have one client who, you know, they're super complaining about charging, you know, whatever I charge. And then the next week, there's a different client who they're like, oh, oh, that's all you like. You don't need more than that. I like I priced it out and it was like double at other places. And then I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. Once you have that client kind of reaction of like, oh yeah, it's totally fine. Then you're like, okay, there's validity there too. That's so, yeah, that's a great point you made. And I, again, going back to the original point of like, you will attract the right people who are supposed to be in your audience so long as you stick to your guns. And like, obviously you're not selling a crapshoot. Like you're actually charging the amount that's relevant to your career and your experience and all that good stuff. Yeah. And like, if you are just starting your business, one thing I did also when I moved to Austin was there's like a park near my house. So I just went on Instagram and I searched the tag for that park. And then I was like, Hey, I'm doing, I would DM people and say like, I'm going to do a mini photo shoot on these weekend days. And I'm going to do like a discount. And so I would send them like my pricing, but it would be like, Oh, 20% discount for the month of April or whatever. That can be a good way too. If you're still building clientele and you're willing to do the work at a slight discount, you can kind of promote that just to get some initial clients. And then, you know, moving forward, like some people did that, you know, initial shoot with me. And then a year later, they're like, oh, we need headshots now. And it's like, okay, well, here's my headshot rate. Like it's the full rate. And then you're still kind of capturing that client, but maybe getting some quick cash earlier when you were a little bit nervous that you didn't have as many clients at the beginning. That's such a good idea. I'm going to use that one too. (laughs) All these good ideas. So speaking about like money and all of that good stuff, can you get into like budgeting? Because obviously like it's not a nine to five. You're not guaranteed a paycheck on a bi-weekly basis, which I think for most people is probably the most terrifying thing about all of it. So how were you able to, through the growth of your business, figure out the budgeting and also come to a place where like, you know where you're headed to? Because right, that's another thing is like, again, if you have that paycheck, you know where you're going, you know where you're at. So you know that you- XYZ is going into your savings account every month. And you know, yes, you're totally right. It can be super scary. And I will be the first to admit that when I was in New York, I always had to keep really strict track of all the income I was making just for my taxes and like from that standpoint. But I was always kind of like, ooh, I never really want to look at exactly how much I'm spending. Like I would pay my credit card bill and know like, okay, well, that was less than how much I made. So I'm probably good. But I did not want to look at it because I was worried that it wouldn't look good. And my boyfriend, Justin, I have to give him major props because during quarantine, he was like, Gabby, if your business wants to be a legitimate business and not you just like being a photographer, but if you want to run your business, we have to know really specifically what the business expenses are. And so we actually found, I found it um, on a TikTok. There's a girl that made an Excel spreadsheet or a Google Sheets spreadsheet for her business. And she has just like a really streamlined process. And I saw the TikTok and I was like, can you make this for me? And so he kind of made it from an initial version from what we saw on hers. And actually I have a template now for, it's for photographers specifically, but if you have any kind of small business at 
at all, it should work. Um, so we can include that link too as like a, a freebie if any of your um, listeners wants that. Yeah, guys, I'll put this on the website so you can check it out and download it and use it as you need to. Yeah, perfect. So basically it's super simple. There's like a tab where you keep track of your monthly uh, income. And then, so like with the first sheet, you know, I just write like, June 5th, I did headshots for this client. This is how they paid me. And then it goes into the next sheet, which is like my monthly totals. And then that totals to a yearly total. So I kind of have it broken down by month and then by quarter. So out of the four quarters of the year, like, okay, I can see, am I averaging about the same amount of money every quarter to know that, you know, what my averages are. And then in terms of the expenses, there's a Google form that it's linked to that you can save as a shortcut on your phone. So it just looks like a normal app, like on my home screen. And anytime I have a business expense, um, you just click it, you know, put in the date, put in the expense, and then there's categories. So like Wi-Fi, photo shoot expense, meals, lodging, like, you know, all the things, advertising. And then you put what category and then you submit it and then it, it links it to the Google sheet um, and then categorizes all of your expenses. And then there's the last tab, which puts all of your income, all of your expenses, and then shows how much you're netting for the month and the year and stuff like that. Wow. I love the automation. I love it. <laughs> yes. Super simple. And then the actual crazy part that I never thought is like, when you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, I've already made this much this year. Like, that's so awesome. Like I can put that into my savings and it's actually really motivated when you know all of your numbers. And so now I look at it like once a week just to like keep track, make sure everything's on track for the month or for the year. And I actually get really excited when I see it because I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. So I highly recommend it. If you're not hundred percent sure in your numbers or you just don't have a system you love, definitely try this one because it works for me. It's super simple and yeah, it keeps you motivated. Yeah. I'm definitely going to look at that too. I mean, I already did, but I think over the past week, I've definitely been, because as I told you before, like I just hired a virtual assistant and I have an audio editor. So it's like, I have people to pay. So like, if I don't have money, like that's what credit cards, I guess are for, but like, I don't want to get to that point. So like, I got it to what you said before, like get the numbers and like really get it up and running. Because again, the sooner that you take it more seriously, I think that's the sooner you'll see success too, which again, like it's not really rational, but from like a soul perspective, I feel like that kind of makes sense. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with like, maybe in the first year or two of your business or your side hustle, you're breaking even, or you're not making a ton of profit. And like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because it, it, I mean, it took me pretty much all of high school, I was doing like senior pictures for my friends. And like, I was doing photo shoots for like 50 bucks or for like a gift card. And then through college, I slowly started getting a part-time job assisting a wedding photographer. And then really, like I didn't actually start making my income through photography until about a year to two years after grad school. So if you think like, technically my business was like a business for like eight years before it was even really like profitable. So that I just don't want to discourage anyone who maybe you have a side hustle or maybe you're just kind of starting this new thing. Don't expect to necessarily be making like six figures from this within the first month. Like it's going to take time to build up. Couldn't agree more. The more and more people I talk to who run their own show, they're always like, oh, I'm so frustrated when people online are like, yeah, I make six figures in six months. And you're like, no, bitch. Like, no, we all know that's not true. I mean, sometimes it happens, but usually doesn't. And And people are always trying to I see those TikToks all the time where they're like, I'm like buy my course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the reality is like, maybe they have been doing copywriting or whatever for like five years. And now they have like these recurring clients or they have, a, you know, what, who knows, but any good, I think any good business, like it's just going to take time and effort and you keep doing the hustle. And then at one point you're like, oh crap, this is working now. Like this is doing its thing. Yeah. Plus it's nice to slowly 
put in processes as it grows versus like, like I can't imagine if you went viral and all your shit blew up and you sold out and you're like, you see those videos too, where people like they sell out their entire stock and they're like, holy crap. Like I don't have, I don't have the infrastructure. I don't have, yeah. I don't have the people to help. Like there was one woman, I forget who it was. She like was, she didn't sleep for like three days because she was just packing orders. Like that's exciting, but it's fucking also terrible. (laughs) That's not great. No, I love the piece about you can like slowly integrate things into your business. And that's kind of what I did with the budget template is like my last year in New York is when, okay, I had like the, all the income kind of separated out by month. And then during quarantine, we made this like expense tracker. And then now just in January, we added this other tab, which is whenever I put in what photo shoot I have, I also put in a category. So it's headshots, it's wedding photography, it's music photography. And then, you know, I put the amount. And so then when I I have this new tab where it tells me how much money I'm making and what percentage of it is what kind of photography. So now I have this added data about, okay, wedding photography is 50% of my income. Like food photography is 17%, headshots is 10%. And so I can make further decisions about my business based on the new data I'm learning. So I think totally right on the sense of like every year you can just improve incrementally. And then when you look back in five years, your business is going to be totally, totally for the better because of all that effort you've put in. Yeah. You'll obviously be able to like take that data and figure out like, oh, this is what's actually making me profitable. These are the decisions I should be making. Like I should cut this piece. So like, whatever it is. It's so smart. Obviously, like, you know what you're doing. (laughs) Like, um, I think for a lot of people listening, it also is inspiring to know, like, you can still be figuring out and, you know, still do well. And like, again, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to hire someone to do all these things. You could do it yourself through Excel spreadsheet. Like we have amazing tools on our phones and on our computers now that make this all possible. Oh my gosh. The amount, like I will go on YouTube and just Google random things. And that has super helped me with my business. Like a hundred couple pose ideas or like how to do this process in Photoshop to get a certain look. Everything that you could possibly want to know, you could probably find for free on the internet. It's it's really true. Yeah, it's so awesome. It's so awesome. <laughs> I don't know how parents grew up like, oh man, an encyclopedia, like so slow. <laughs> it's crazy. But the access is like, I think the thing that will end up making like our younger generation, like more educated and honestly able to do whatever they want, right? Because you can like literally go like, how do I learn how to drop ship on Amazon? And you look it up on YouTube and then you know how to do it. Like, it's so cool. Yeah. Well, so going along with, you know, being in Austin and like, you know, getting your new clients and things like that, let's get into the badass women, which is like the coolest series. I remember when I first saw it, I was like, oh my God, I need to be in this. Like this girl, like she knows how to shoot. Like, and it's cool too, because I like, you had the idea of this being the badass women series. And like, it shows in every single image you shot, like you're like badass women, badass women. Like it completely hit the nail on the head in the way that you shot them. Well, thank you so much. I I definitely love when people that have that reaction because I'm like, yes, that was my whole goal. You're getting what I'm putting down, which sometimes can be hard. Like with photography, like you have so many different ways you can visually show things when you're feeling like inspired and like, heck yes, like badass woman that tells me that we're going in the right direction, which is like what I want to see. But yeah, I can kind of give you a little backstory about how it started. Yeah. How you found, you know, how that whole thing started, who you went and found to be part of it. Like give, give us all the details of it. Okay. So I moved to New York and I was like, I got to figure out my photography business. So I was kind of, that's when I was doing that freelancing, but also working for these other places. And then I just started meeting all these awesome women or like hearing about them in networking things or in the community. And I was like, oh my gosh, there are so many just like 
badass women in New York who are building their own businesses, who are starting their own side hustles, who are involved in the community. I just thought it was so awesome. And me as kind of a solopreneur, young business owner, trying to figure out, you know, how to run my business. I was really looking up to them and asking them a lot of questions and just getting advice about like, how should I do this? What, you know, what, what advice would you give me? What did you, what was a huge mistake you made that I definitely should avoid doing and like all that stuff. And then I just kind of had the idea, like, what if I did some kind of photo shoot, like photography thing that was like an homage to them? And so I started reaching out to people and just saying, hey, can I interview you and also take your photo for this project I'm doing? Almost everybody was like, absolutely, this is a great cause. Let's do it. And so I would meet them at their, you know, New York offices or their Brooklyn flats. Like it was just like very cool to get to go into their space see how they live, see how they do things, ask them questions about their business and then, you know, photograph their portrait. So um, I ended up doing 55 portraits in New York and in March of last year, uh, right before coronavirus, like the very, it was crazy. It was like two weeks later, everything was shut down. I had a gallery show where I hung up all the frames onto this huge wall, invited everybody. And it was like this huge networking event, art gallery show where everyone could just come and like see all these women read these little cue cards about their businesses, network with each other and like have a space where, you know, women really feel empowered and we can feel that good energy. So it was amazing. That's awesome. And I could probably, the listeners will agree too. Like the more women we see or even people of color, like in the, you know, anyone in this space of like, I don't want to say minorities, but people who are not represented properly. Like it's amazing to see like, fuck yeah, like you did it. I could do it too. Like, it's like, well, power to you. It, it is really exciting when you can see people not do the things that they were told that they couldn't do, but right. Isn't it so awesome when people are like, oh, you can't do that. And you're like, well, yeah, I fucking can. And then you do it. Hundred percent, and that was a huge piece of the project too. I wanted to make sure you know people of all abilities, ethnicities, or socioeconomical backgrounds were represented in the series because you're totally right. You don't see like a lot of these women at you know just standing there like arms crossed, and here's this business I founded. Like you don't see that in the mainstream media very much. It's becoming more normalized now because we as a society have said like, oh no, like we're not just going to look up to like white old males. We're going to like have diversity. And so it is becoming more normalized, but it's still not the norm. And so that's why it was cool. Uh, One little piece of the show was this guy came in and he, he, I think he had just like came in from the street. Like, I don't think he had heard about the show earlier, but he was walking by and walked in and he was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And he's like, do you like allow kids? Like, can I, can I bring kids? And I was like, yeah, it's totally fine. He's like, I'm going to go bring my daughter. I want her to see this and know that she can be any one of these. And I was just like, oh, that's literally it. Like I was about to cry. It was just a really cool moment. And that's kind of encapsulated what, what everything I was going for. Yeah, that's so awesome that that happened because I feel like at least when you said that, I immediately thought like, oh, that made it all worth it. Like, not that it wasn't worth it and all the other successes that you had with the shoot, but like the fact that you inspired a dad that much to like go retrieve his daughter to then show her like the possibilities are endless. It's like, hell yeah. Like you did it. You like hit the point. That's definitely the part that gave me goosebumps. And also kind of as I was doing the series, right? Like it was just me every couple of weeks, I would just, me as one person, go to some person's office, talk to them, take their photo. I would send them the photos, but no one else really saw the photos until they came out. But then it's like, you know, that solo experience of just me kind of doing it. And then when you like walk into the gallery and it's like dozens and dozens of women, like all shown there, I was like, oh, this is it. Like 
it was the solo experience of me, but actually what I was doing was this collective experience of us as women showing up and showing who we are and being fully ourselves. And all together, I think was the piece that was just like, people were, were really blown away by. So obviously the whole series itself, we've learned a ton just from like actually taking the shoots and like trying to reach out to people and doing all that. But like, I'm sure you learned a ton from like these actual women, like whether it was in business or personal life, what was your take on basically interviewing them? Like, how did that go? Yeah. I mean, they gave me so much good advice and I definitely encourage people to go on my website, gabbydiamondkeyphoto.com slash badass women and all of their photos and their interviews are up on the website. So it's very cool to check out and kind of be inspired by. They gave me so much good advice, which I honestly think kind of my mindset about being really just open-minded and being willing to put yourself out there that really came from all the advice. I mean, like almost every single woman told me like, look, here's the deal. I never really felt quote unquote ready to start this business, or I never felt 100% prepared, but I just went and did it. And I was like, I'm knowledgeable and believe in myself enough to know that whatever problems come up down the line, I'm smart enough that I'll figure it out. Like I believe in myself that I don't know all the answers right now, but I know me and I know that I'll figure it out. That's a mind-blowing mindset to have of of like having that confidence of like, I'm going to figure it out one way or the other, even though I don't know what the problem is going to be in the future. Yeah. And that's awesome that you were able to, I don't want to say find the shortcuts, but yes, in a sense, right. You're interviewing all these people who've they've done the hard things, right. They're walking the walk and they're all from different backgrounds. It's not like they all have online businesses. Like there are a variety of people. So Literally every, like so many different industries in New York, so many from different places in the world, from different countries, speaking different languages, like every single person had a totally different story. So the fact that like the main takeaway was like this kind of putting yourself out there. And then the other piece was failure. They all talked about failure of like fail as much and as often as you can so that you can really normalize failure. Because if you're hung up on failing all the time, it's kind of like going back to that posting on TikTok thing. It's like, if we don't do that repetition to get over those insecurities all the time, our businesses are going to fail because of that. Like we have to just keep putting ourselves out there so that we can get over the failure faster and then move forward. Yeah. I found that consistency is more important than perfectionism. 2000 fold. Like just literally no one cares. Like no one is going to remember that you said that stupid thing or like it didn't look perfect. Or like literally we're all too selfish and we're just worrying about ourselves. (laughs) Like give a shit about what you're doing. So just do it. Yeah. And I think women in general just sometimes maybe want to feel a little bit more prepared. Like they have these statistics about like, you know, for a, a job application or something, women will only apply for ones that they're like, I don't know, 80% qualified for. Whereas like men often apply for ones they're only like 30% qualified for or something. (laughs) Right. And so it's like this piece of like, you have to like reframe your own bias thinking of like, oh, you know, we as women have to be 100% prepared and we have to have all the answers figured out before we even take this jump. Whereas like sometimes guys are just like, whatever, like we'll do it. And then they maybe get farther in it just because they didn't overthink it. So kind of rewiring that piece too. Yeah. I found that that helps too. And it's just, right. Just chipping at the block every single day, but yeah, consistency. It's it's the winner in all of it. For sure. So to wrap up this, you know, every single episode, I always ask my guests, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? I know. I love this question. I just feel like the act of having that reflection piece and always looking back and thinking about the things you've done. Like, I, I think that's something that we should all do 
a lot more often, right? And like, I think you can get a lot of lessons from that. The thing I would tell my younger self probably goes along with kind of what we've been talking about, about this whole women empowerment thing. I think the faster that I stopped overanalyzing and being insecure about, is my business good enough? Am I good enough? Can I charge this? Like, what are people going to think? The more that I did that, it wasn't the positive direction I need to go. The faster I got over that and was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. That really is what helped me. So taking that action instead of overthinking, I think can be a huge thing. If you're like really in your head about something, even just like journaling about it or talking to a friend about it or getting it out or even just doing something to move forward in one step, I think is more productive than sometimes just letting you go in that like negative thought loop of like, I'm worrying about this. I'm anxious about this. So do something if you're feeling that way, it would be my piece of advice. I think all of those pieces are extremely important, whether it's in your personal life or in your business. But Gabby, this has been awesome for the listeners. All of her information that she talked about is going to be linked on the Corporate Coder website. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me or reach out to her directly. But Gabby, thanks again for being on. This was, this was awesome. Yes, I had such a good time and I'm super excited for your uh, listeners to hear it. Yeah, thanks again. 